Welcome in to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod. Give us a follow on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. And as always, we're under the A to Z Sports umbrella. So go make sure you're following A to Z Sports on every social media platform. This is Sode number 94, the Jaquay Parker of Sodes. Now, you may be asking who Jaquay Parker is, and you know what, to be honest with you, as I was going through all of the 94s in Titans history, there really wasn't one that popped off the page, but Jaquay Parker spent 2001 through 2004 with the Tennessee Titans, and, you know, he was mildly productive. He uh, In his time, he had five sacks, eight TFLs. He, he was a rotational guy. Now, honorable mention, this is a D-tackle number, isn't it? 94. So you've got guys like Cinderic Marks, who, out of the good of my heart, I couldn't allow this to be the Cinderic Marks. So that was a traumatic time. Sammy Lee Hill, also 94, as well as Austin Johnson. So we're a D-tackle sode, and that's kind of how we're going to be heading um, as we approach number 100 until we run out of guys named sodes after. This week, I am joined by our favorite emergency guest, our co-host today, Luke Worsham of A to Z Sports. Austin Huff is out today. We gave him the week off. He just had a kid, so we thought he may be You know, that's, that's so irresponsible of him. Like, the, the planning on his part really should have been better. Like, it's December football. This is when it matters the most. The playoff push is happening, and this is when he decided was the correct time to add to his family. Yeah, it's uh, at least he's growing the fan base, but you're right. Uh, this is the stretch run. We got to be focused you know, here. This, this wouldn't happen on F-Words pod. No, you're right. Well, mainly because the F-Words podcast, I don't think any of them have sex. So uh, that could be why. <laughs> but today we've got a fun sode. We're going to do an abbreviated sode today. I'm a little under the weather. And since it's a short week, we decided to keep this to about an hour. So shorter than usual. But here's what we've got on the schedule today. We're going to talk about the Titans' loss to the Steelers and how the Titans beat themselves with turnovers and other problems on offense. Um, Tannehill, we're going to talk a little bit about Tannehill and why we think he's taking a step back. I mean, the answer may be a little more obvious than we think, but we're going to do a bit of a deeper dive. Uh, A.J. Brown, he was cleared to return earlier this week. Luke has an update from the practice field today. And sticking with wide receivers, where the hell's Golden Tate been? What is he on the team for? We're going to talk about him briefly. Before we get into the updated playoff picture, the Titans have lost a little ground over the last few weeks um, before we finish with the MVP death pool. Tom Brady was the last victim to the MVP death pool, shut out by the Saints um, on national television. So this thing keeps working. We're going to give Luke a taste. We're going to drop a little power in Luke's hands and see what he can do with it. So with all that being said, let's talk Titans. What is up, Flameheads? Today is Tuesday, December 21st. You guys won't be listening to this till Wednesday, the 22nd, but it's Christmas week. We're very excited to be with you guys this week. Um, Titans playing two days before Christmas, so Titans fans get to spend the holidays stress-free, hopefully. But before we get into everything that we have planned, I'm going to say a quick word about the Trenches Gallery. The Trenches Gallery is located at 906 Buchanan Street on the historic Buchanan Street. Tons of great stuff over there. It's an art gallery owned and operated by Christian and Keith Fulton. Christian Fulton, 
who has been part of a defense that has been locking down offenses for the last month. Um, they've got shirts, shoes, pants, hats, paintings, you name it. If you're late on Christmas gifts, go down there. They've got a ton of uh, Titans hats. They've got a Fulton County jersey you can wear. It. It's all awesome. They have all the hottest brands in fashion, including Paper Planes, Cashville, Bape, Supreme, uh, a bathing ape. I mean, they've got it all. They've got a unique design lab located in the back of the shop. Now, this is the only place I've ever been in that has this. You walk in behind the curtains. They're always working back there on new and cool designs. Um, some Titans related, some not. So if you're not a Titans fan, it'll still be a good place for you to go check out. It's the only place like it in Nashville. And if you can't stop by in person, make sure to shop online where you can check out their impressive inventory at thetrenchesshop.com. You can also find them on Instagram at the Trenches Gallery, where you can view all of their new items so you can get yours before they run out. Go check them out at the Trenches Gallery on Instagram or online at thetrenchesshop.com. Support them because they support us. It's going to be a circle of support going for these next few months as we wrap up the season. So make sure to tell them when you go to the Trenches Gallery that A to Z Sports sent you. And Jack, you know what else you can find at the Trenches Gallery? What's that? Elite water. Oh, delicious. Elite water based in New Orleans, Louisiana. This is water that's sourced from natural springs in Mont Palomar all the way out in California. It's organic water, does not have any of the man-made additives that you'll find in some of these other water brands. The Elite brand is all about bettering yourself and putting yourself and your body in a position to where you can accomplish anything. Order yours now online at elitewater.co or swing by the trenches to pick yourself up a fresh case. You can also follow them on IG at Elite Water One. Be yourself, be elite, drink elite water. That's Christian Fulton's brand of water, and whatever he's putting into his body right now seems to be working. So I strongly If you drink this water, you will get pass interference penalties. Just a heads up. Yeah, those were some tough penalties. Um, let's go ahead and get into this thing, Luke. So the Titans took a tough loss on the chin to the Steelers on the road in Heinz Field. They seem to have the game all but wrapped up. They were a kill shot away um, in the second half, and that just never came. Turnovers continue to be a problem with this offense. In three of the four losses, or three of the last four games, the Titans have really struggled in that department, all losses. Um, so, you know, there, there was a lot that went wrong, and not all of it's Tannehill's fault, right? Because there yeah. were a couple plays that he couldn't control. I mean, a Racy McMath fumble, an Anthony Ferkser fumble, um, a big NWI drop. I hate to say it, but that was not NWI's best game. That drop and not getting deep enough on the route in the final play of the game that uh, the Titans almost got a, a nice spot for. But, uh, you know, cooler heads prevailed. The truth was revealed and the spot was short and the Titans lost. So, Luke. Was, was that not a bizarre sequence there, by the way? I thought like, they were going to give like it He him. was very obviously short. A yard, a full yard short. But then there was this, like, three-minute saga of, like, review, and then they brought the chains out, and they're like, well, and then Vrabel's sitting there. And Vrabel was right. He's like, if that's where you're going to spot it, then that's, that's a first, first down. down. Like, it was all very odd to to end in something that was inevitable, which is, like you said, he was clearly short. Yeah, and, you know, the Titans right now with the guys they have on offense, their brand is ugly. They want to win ugly. Now, the Titans have, have kind of had this mantra and this brand of, you, you know, smash mouth football um, since Malarkey, but it's really kind of evolved since Vrabel took over. And uh, while the Titans have been playing this style of football for a few years, the Steelers have been winning these type of games for two decades. Well, the, the problem is it's it's not just ugly football it's it's just like objectively bad football mm -hmm. it's it's broken football you I, you know i'm all about 
run the ball and, you know, go off of that with some flair on in play action and, you know, ground and pound, then you can win games in the NFL like that, especially against a team like the Steelers that is horrific against the run. But, but they're just, they're just broken. Like this offense is not good. There's, I, like, there's not it's it's not even close to good. There's so many problems. And I don't want to be a box score warrior, but looking at this box score, the Titans dominated every aspect of this game aside from the turnover battle. They outgained the Steelers by 150 yards. They ran 33 more plays than the Steelers. Um, 10 more first downs, more efficient on third down. It's it, it's frustrating. And, you know, the stat that jumps off the page is the Titans held the ball for 39 minutes. Steelers only had the ball for 20, 20 minutes, 52 seconds. Um, yeah, there are a lot of stats where the Titans dominated this game. Yeah, and, and Big Ben, of course, scores his first rushing touchdown since the Obama administration, it felt like. I mean, <laughs> granted, it was it was on, you know, the six-inch line, but he still managed to find his way in there. Um, not a ton of bright spots. I mean, in your opinion, because you, you've you've written a, a handful of stories this week on where you think the blame should be placed. Yeah. When, when you look at this offense, is it Tannehill? Is it the lack of uh, weapons, which we know is a problem? Is it Todd Downing? What, what are you seeing right now that you think the Titans could improve upon? I mean, yeah, like it, it really, it's all of those things. And you can, you know, nitpick about the percentages and say, well, I think it's, it's this much downing, it's this much Tannehill, but like, it, it's all a problem. And when it looks the way that it does, everyone's to blame. Like this is a team that uses the phrase, you know, takes all 11 at nauseum. They drown that phrase down our throats, <laughs> yeah. but it, it's true. And yeah, I know we're going to talk more about Tannehill later. You know, I, I don't think that this is as big of a him problem as a lot of people are making it out to be. And I'll explain more why later. But they, there's just, I mean, Downing is not doing a great job. He, there is no identity to this offense. There's no sort of like through line. Like when you watch them in a game, it, it, it it doesn't look like they're trying to develop anything. They're not setting things up. They're just sort of running plays and hoping for the best. There is no through line. And, but then at the same time, like, what are you going to do when, you know, your best receivers, Nick Westbrook, Akina, and even he's out there. He was terrible on he Sunday. Did not he, play well. I they they lose that Luke. game. They win that game with a couple of better plays from him. And, you know, Julio Jones is totally unreliable. You can't expect mm. anything from him. And so, like, at a certain point, there's just no players to do anything with. And then when Todd Downing does design, like, that's the thing. It's like Todd Downing a couple of times in that game had some things cooked up. Like, first, all we talked about, we being the media, all week is they got to take some shots downfield. First play of the game, they ran play-action shot downfield. Tannehill had a touchdown to Julio be sacked like that instantly yeah. because the pass protection is so bad. And like, that's not Todd Downing's fault. No, nor I, is the, the West would have worked. Drop. If, if, if all 11 executed that play would have gone for six. Um, I, and it's, it's a frustration. You bring up Julio Jones, his hamstring is hanging off his bone. Like the barbecue at the Ridge. We'll I just think that guy's later. cooked. I mean, I, I don't know how else you could, I don't know what other conclusion you could come to from watching him. It's it's really been a point of frustration, and that's the guy um, John Robinson decided to to not address. That's the position that John Robinson decided not to address in the draft. 
you go out and get Julio. Um, it's a glamorous, sparkly signing, but um, or, or I guess trade, but it, it really hasn't paid off. It's uh, Julio Jones has, you know, no pun intended, uh, kind of hamstrung this Titans team because they expected him to be healthy. They assumed health when it came to Julio Jones. Josh Reynolds is gone. John o. Smith left in the offseason. You, you have Khalif Raymond, who's still popping up in Detroit. Do you think it's it's over for Julio? What's been the what's been the word at Titans at the Titans facility this week? Well, he might play on Thursday. Vrabel was asked today about Julio, and he said we're going to monitor him during the week and probably will come down to the game time. So Julio Jones is going to be a game time decision for the Titans this week, and you know he might physically be out there in the same way that AJ Brown might physically be out there. Um, but I don't know how anyone could expect anything from Julio Jones. And I said this on No Nonsense yesterday, you know, I I am done with saying, well, if Julio Jones plays, you know, they're going to have this advantage. And, man, once they can get Julio and and Derrick Henry and all these guys, like Julio is out of that conversation for me from now on until I see something significantly different than what we have. Yeah, and those hamstring injuries, they don't go away in a week. Those linger, which well, they have for Julio well, for the last few Jackie years. Jackie sat out for a month, and it didn't go away. It's it's really mind-boggling. And, you know, talking about Ryan Tannehill, he had a couple big mistakes. He threw a pick, and he, uh, you know, that bad snap with Ben Jones. He continues to make a couple plays a week that hurt this team in a big way. Um, now, you know, that, that's a fluke turnover, as most turnovers can be, um, in the exchange from center to quarterback. But Ryan Tannehill this season, 14 touchdowns, 14 um, interceptions through the air. He's got a he's quite got quite a few rushing touchdowns and some finger rolls to go thereafter. Yeah. But Titans fans seem to be jumping the gun, and they want to judge Tannehill off of these last couple months, or really just this last month and a half. Um, I don't particularly believe that's fair. How can you judge a quarterback without any of his weapons? I mean, this is before the season. Todd Downing set up this offense to be ran through Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, and you got Julio Jones as a luxury. None of those three are out there. Granted, Deontay Foreman has, has kind of – he's been a nice placeholder while the Titans still wait to get Henry back. But a lot of Titans fans are kind of over Tannehill right now. I don't think that now is the time. I get it. Everyone wants to you know have the prisoner, uh, prisoner of the moment take and the first to say something. Um, I don't think that's particularly fair when we – objectively you know view Ryan Tannehill's numbers from this season and, and kind of you know the eye test in some of these games we now know that he is not you know that top seven top eight quarterback even though he played that way for the last couple of years in Arthur Smith's system for whatever reason something's not clicking with him and Downing and it's becoming more and more clear that Tannehill may have just been a product of the system this whole time well here's what I'll start with with Tannehill I'm not sure what he was supposed to do on Sunday differently I think there are a lot of criticisms you could make for Tannehill's 2021 season as a whole. And what's interesting is about a month ago, I was one of the people making those criticisms the loudest. Because I remember <laughs> writing You're a pesky. column Thanksgiving week about and, – and sort of the genesis of it was I like Tannehill. He's a good player, but he really needs to step up and, and start you know playing better. And that column, I remember, was not well received by <laughs> yeah. Titans fans. I, can, I, I caught can see a why. lot of flack mm-hmm. for that. And it, it the reverse has occurred where now 
I was accused yesterday by someone on Twitter who told me, oh, I didn't realize the Titans were paying you on the side to hype up their quarterback. (laughs) And it's weird to me because, again, I think you can criticize Tannehill's season. You know, you go back to that Texans game where he threw four interceptions. That was really bad. Bad. That was the game to look at Tannehill and say, man, this guy needs to step up and, 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 you know, come up a couple notches. Not the Steelers game. No. Because the Steelers game was a lot of him sitting back there, constantly under fire, with no help from his pass protection. He had very little help from his receivers. I mean, goodness gracious, if you, if you ask me, Tannehill kind of willed them to be in a situation where they had a chance to win that game at the end. Like, Yeah. I mean, that, that is something to remember. The Titans, for how bad they played, they had a shot to win the game. And it was, you know, they their drive got stopped short in the red zone. It wasn't like they, you know, ran out of time at the 50-yard line. They were marching. Um, Let's play a game. You like games? Yes. All right. Now, this may be a, a funky question, and I get why you may not like it, but I'm going to ask it anyways because, you know, you're riding shotgun today. Um, if the season ended today, the worst, one of the worst games of all, you know, if the season ended today, because it clearly doesn't, there's a handful of weeks left, there's three games left. Yep. Do the Titans in the draft address a qu- the quarterback position, maybe in, a, in the no. mid-round? No. Tannehill's cap hit, cap hit is, what, $38 million next year? I, I mean – No, that's not right. I, I believe it's a, it's a pretty hefty cap hit. I mean, we can $38 million? We'll take a look at it because uh, it was a backloaded contract to get all the guys in that they could no, that they have in now. He, they have him $29 million Okay, so that was, that was aggressive, but still. Um, so you don't think that this offseason is time to maybe – I mean, Logan Woodside hasn't been exactly reliable. No, um, but well, so there's a few things at play here. First of all, Luke, I'm looking at I'm looking at Smotrack in in 2022. Tannehill, Tannehill carries a 38.6 million dollar cap hit. Oh, well then what? Oh yeah, and sorry, I looked at the wrong number. I see that now. 38.6. So and there's a potential out in 2023, but that's why I ask. You know, he's getting expensive, and you have a chance to get out with only 18 million in dead cap after 2022. So you're, not, you're still sticking with it. No quarterback, you no. Know, maybe even the fourth, fifth round. Well, see, here's the thing, though. These fourth, fifth round quarterbacks don't work. They all stink. Here's what happens when you draft a quarterback in the fourth, fifth round. The Colts did that with Jacob Eason mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And you remember when Carson Wentz got hurt during training camp? Yeah, Jacob no Eason one, was no not No one stellar. was saying, not one person said, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Jacob Eason can do. Everyone said, well, they got to go trade for Nick Foles now, mm-hmm. right? Trading for drafting a quarterback in the mid rounds is is just you know taking that draft pick and flushing it down the toilet. But that's that's and and I understand your perspective, but I'm at the same time wondering, Logan Woodside. I mean, they they like him because he knows the system and everything. But why not just roll the dice one time? I get it. You know, the chances of it hitting are, are long, but. I mean, I look. I'm all. I'm on board with replacing Logan Woodside. That's okay. But That's if, kind of. I'm not going think, to replace Tannehill. I'm saying kind of a guy to back up is, and see what you got. It is not. I, I'm just going to declare it will not be possible for the Titans to upgrade from Ryan Tannehill no. this off season. No, I'm with you. And that's not where I'm going with this. I'm going. Let's get a. a you know, maybe a young guy comes on the roster and they they work with him through camp because Logan Woodside. We kind of know where his ceiling is. It's a very low ceiling. 
So I don't know, maybe why not throw a, you know, and I get it. You're probably 50 yards away from the dartboard, but one heave at the dartboard to see if it sticks. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's just the hypothetical game I was playing. Um, I'm, I'm not surprised at your take, but um, moving on, there's a handful of other stuff that went wrong in that game. Right. But one yes. of the things that has been impressive over the majority of the season is Titans defense. I mean, they're, they're second in the NFL in rush defense. And that's why you go out and get guys like Bud Dupree. That's why you go out and get guys like Danico Autry. You have Jeff Simmons. Uh, and, and now you have a San Francisco 49ers team who is very run heavy. Uh, kind of the same way that teams are playing San Fran, uh, or kind of the same way that teams are playing the Titans, teams are also playing San Fran, right? They're going to they're, they're gonna focus on stopping the run and making Garoppolo beat you. Same with, you know, stopping the run, although it hadn't happened. Um, a couple times with Foreman, over 100 yards again. But looking, moving forward and into this matchup, is that where you see the Titans have the biggest edge, maybe, you know, interior on the defensive line? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this defense. I, I really am. And, you know, Tony Romo, if you were watching the broadcast on Sunday, pointed out how this defense just flies to the ball. Mm-hmm. And Vrabel brought up something today that I thought was really interesting with that. He said, he said he told the team this. There was apparently a play against the Steelers where the Titans missed three tackles on one play. And do you know how many yards the Steelers gained on that play where the Titans missed three tackles? Two yards. One yard. One yard. And it's because those three guys missed, but there's immediately someone else there. This defense plays with an intensity – they are well coached. They play with high effort, and they're so explosive and disruptive in that interior up front that it is really, really hard to run the ball against the Titans because not only do they have the talent, they have the Danico Autry, the the uh, 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 Jeffrey Simmons. I yes. don't know why I couldn't think of his name. Best probably the best player on that and defense. The there is Kevin Byard. Yeah, but the thing is they have the talent, they have the athleticism, but they also play with an with with an attitude and and a mentality that lends itself to success and they're well coordinated by Shane Bowen. Like I okay. I'm all about this Titans defense. I, I think that it, it is a really uh exceptional unit. Super Bowl quality? Is this defense good enough to bring home the Lombardi trophy? Oh yeah, you could win a Super Bowl with this defense. And who would now, have thought that? That right? doesn't mean that you're going to because the Obviously. elephant in the room is this offense, mm-hmm. but yeah, absolutely. You could win a Super Bowl with the way that they're playing. So you've been out back to offense. You've been out at the Titans facility this week. Yes. Obviously, A.J. Brown and Chris Jackson are the two guys who are um, now eligible to return for this matchup against the Niners, which, I mean, Chris Jackson can't be overlooked because you just had Elijah Molden get placed on the COVID uh, reserve list. That's right. So – while Rabel has said, you know, that Julio Jones is a game time decision, and he's kind of been, I mean, tight lipped about the whole Julio situation since he arrived. Uh, I don't particularly trust that Julio is going to be out there. But what are you hearing about AJ Brown? You think he goes Thursday? I think he does um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, he looked fine. Uh, you got to watch him do some drills on Tuesday, you know, just go through the individual gamut. He looked fine. You know, he didn't look hampered at all. Um, Second thing is, you know, over the last couple of weeks, as the Titans have activated these guys to come back from injured reserve, 
they have played that next week. Now, gets a little tricky this week because it's a short week. And I asked Vrabel about that today. Um, and he talked about having to, with Brown and with Chris Jackson, probably get them some more simulated work on the side after practice. Because typically with those guys, you would have three practice days where you watch them and you talk to them after practice and say, how are you feeling? You see how the body responds. And then on Saturday, you make the decision with all of that, those sort of data points, if you will. They don't have that this week. They have you know, a very light, Vrabel characterized it as going to be a light week of practice because you just don't have the time yeah. to recover before a game. Uh, but I think that I'm, I'm not advocating, and I'm going to write more about this on, on Wednesday, I'm not advocating pressing, but, like, if there was ever a player that the Titans needed, mm-hmm. it is this guy. And it and A.J. Brown is not going to go to Mike Vrabel and say, Coach, I need another week. That's not who that guy is. That dude is a competitor. He, he is wired not that way. And if I was ever in a position as Mike Vrabel where I'm going to say, you know, it's sort of 50-50, and I'm going to say, let's just let her rip, like this is that situation. It's not yeah. Derrick Henry because, you know, you, you can still run the ball without Derrick Henry, but this offense, as we were just talking about, is fundamentally broken right now. And I think that having A.J. Brown out there a million times more than having Julio Jones out there the last two weeks would be just a, a huge band-aid fix it for this. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And you look at Tannehill's numbers the last three games. Now they got away with a win against Jacksonville where in a game where they really didn't even look that good. It was, I mean, it, it was they just rolled over Urban Meyer in his last game as head coach for the Jags. Or yeah, that, that, I believe that was his last game. Yeah. Um, Tannehill over the last three games, 153 yards against the Steelers, a fumble and a pick. Um, 191, no touchdowns, no picks against the Jags, just an 81.5 rating. Um, you get 93 yards and a touchdown and a pick out of him against the Patriots. Paul Karski posed a question, who do the Titans need back more? Or who, you know, who's been, who the Titans been missing the most, Derek Henry or A.J. Brown? The answer is obvious. It's A.J. Brown. I'm totally with you. Uh, you know, they've, they've been able to find a, a bit of success with Deontay Foreman now. He comes in very hungry off the street, and it took him a while to kind of you know, rise to that lead back um, three down role. He's even been playing in a little bit as Adrian Peterson, Jeremy McNichols, Dontrell Hilliard all kind of um, snuck their noses in and got out there for a little bit, but AJ getting AJ Brown back changes this team. Now, I don't know if they picked up where they left off after their, you know, six game winning streak earlier in the season, but it at least puts them in a position to beat just about anybody in the NFL because the way the defense is playing, I mean, you may only need to put up 21 points. And I think with A.J. Brown out there, that's that's overly possible. They've got to pay attention to that guy. The Titans right now on offense don't have a guy that defenses have to absolutely focus on. There's not one single guy out there. So I think that that element alone, you talk about Derrick Henry's impact just by being out there. A.J. Brown, to a lesser degree, does the same thing. Defenses have to key on him. And here's the thing with A.J. Brown. It, it's more than just his talent – it is the connection that he has with Ryan Tannehill because Tannehill is not really a outside of AJ Brown. He is not a, I'm going to go to my guy, you know, seven, eight times in a game because Mm -hmm. I need to, 
But he will do that with A.J. Brown. We've seen it. Because when Julio Jones is out there, he is just one of the guys. That doesn't mean the talent level is, you know, Julio Jones is obviously a better player than Westbrook Aquina or McMath or whoever yes, else. That goes on. But in terms of the involvement and Ryan Tannehill's dedication to getting in the football and the trust factor, it's just really not there. Whereas with AJ Brown, we see it over and over again. When he's out there, Tannehill is looking in his direction. Now, unfortunately, there have been times this year where he has forced the issue and it's led to turnovers. But Tannehill trusts AJ Brown, and he got asked today about sort of, you know, picking right back up where they left off or some some variation of that. And he had a great quote. He said, me and AJ have a lot of reps in the bank that they can sort of cash in on when he comes back. Mm-hmm. They have a real chemistry. A, a, a week ago, Tannehill got asked about AJ, and he said he is an easy player to throw to. It's just an easy thing to throw to AJ Brown. So I think if A.J. Brown comes back in this game, I don't know about snap count, I don't know about target number, but he's not going to be a decoy. Like, if, if he is back, Tannehill is going to be using that guy. And Tannehill even said today yeah. that he got, he got asked, uh, you know, how much would it help for A.J. Brown to come back? And, you know, usually the stock answer to that question is, we know, we love A.J., but we'll see how the week goes. And, you know, if he's out there, we, Tannehill goes, gee, I sure hope he's back. Yeah, yeah, I bet he does. You know, um, so – Obviously, A.J. Brown is just such a difference maker by being on the field. I've got a question. Uh, and, you know, because ahead of the season, if you'd have told me Cody Hollister, Racy McMath, Nick Westbrook-Akine all dress and all play in Pittsburgh later in the season, I'd have told you that the plane probably had to emergency land in the Hudson River, right? Yeah. Uh, th- there, no, there was no way to forecast that that being an actual realistic possibility, much less all three of those guys even being on the practice team. Um so getting getting AJ Brown back is big, but the other wide receiver that we haven't talked about yet, JP two alumni, spent a lot of time in the NFL. They brought him in as a kind of a veteran signing, but it seems now Golden Tate is more of a break glass in case of emergency guy. And yeah. how frustrating is that? It, it, I don't think it's frustrating. Got, well, it, it might it, be fresh. It might be frustrating to fans who overthought this signing, like. Golden Tate was a guy who was on the street in November. Like he was never going to yes. come in and no, he's not going to change your the team. team by storm or something. But I mean, the, the, he's not even, it seems like Mason Kinsey's even above him on the death chart. Like you can't tell me that that's the golden Tate you'd expect. You, you probably thought he would well, dress in a couple weeks. He's, he's not out there. How let's do the Siri check. How, how old is golden Tate? Golden Tate. I don't know why I could just tell me I had to pull up the Wikipedia article. <laughs> Golden Tate was born in 1988, making him 33 years. He's he's a 33 year old receiver. Like I, I don't know what people expected. Um, more than you know. I mean, at more least than dress out. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's just clearly not that good. And they don't they don't like him that much, which is fine. Like, but he's still hanging around on on the on the practice squad and everything. Like, it, it's kind of well, shit or get well, yeah, off the pot with I mean, the guy, isn't it? Because there's got to be a, a couple other options out there that you could experiment with. I know that. Time is ticking. Like, I, I don't think this amount of time I, is probably impossible. I, I don't think they need to. Like they're, they, they kind of have who they have. You're not, yeah. you're not really experimenting with trying to find a new receiver on December 21st. Like, oh, I know. It's a, have a, who you have. They're in a bad spot, and I think they have seen enough, you know, out of NWI to continue to roll them out there when he's needed. I and, mean, you know, which is every. Player. The reality is, is that this week they could have their top three guys: mm-hmm. Jones, Brown, and Rogers. 
Yeah. By the way, Chester Rogers, man, that punt return. I, I thought it was going to be smooth sailing foot on the gas after that punt return. And I mean, they ended up scoring, but if Ferg hadn't fumbled, it would have been. Yeah. It's, they, they didn't score it. 13 points is just not going to be that, enough to beat that, the, anybody. I mean, the Steelers, you think you'd at least have a shot, which you did. But punt return was like the first positive thing the Titans have done in the return game in like Mariani. four years. Yeah. Yeah. They've made some like nice, like in coverage, they've made some nice plays. And, you know, there have been some good fake punts. So, like returning a punt or a kickoff, that's the first good thing since Darius Jennings probably in 2018. Yeah. DJ. Yeah, DJ 15 back there. I remember that. Um, okay, we're going to get into the playoff picture on the backside of this little uh, ad, these, these couple ad reads. Um, but first, I guys want, I really want to talk to you guys about the Ridge. I mentioned the Ridge earlier and how Julio's hamstring is hanging on like some of the delectable meat on one of the Ridge's chicken wings. They're famous game day wings. If you like barbecue and you like wings, football fans, this message is for you. The Ridge, located in Sylvan Park, has all of the above with one of the most unique menus in Middle Tennessee. The Ridge offers a mouthwatering menu chock full of unique food combinations that will leave you feeling satisfied. It's a great place to watch a game, too, this Thursday. Hey, if you're, li- if you're listening to this Wednesday, make plans to head to the Ridge on Thursday and head up to their attic bar where you can watch the game, eat some great food, and you know wash everything down with a couple of cold ones. The best part is, if you tell them A to Z Sports sent you, you'll receive a 10% discount on your entire order. Yep, you heard that right. Make sure you download the Ridge app to access their curbside contactless delivery to safely enjoy Nashville's best barbecue. Head to the Ridge this weekend if you want to get out of the house and watch some football uh, or basketball, for that matter, with some great food and an adult beverage or two. When you go, because I know you will, make sure to tell them that A to Z Sports sent you. And if you are a watcher of A to Z Sports Titan Game Day Morning Live with yours truly every week, you know that I love to talk about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. They bring us our best bet every week on that show. They're also helping us out with the top. And if you head to their website right now, DraftKings.com sportsbook, and you give them the promo code A to Z Sports, here's what they will give you. Put five bucks on any NBA team to win straight up or outright. Stra- out, I don't know why I said straight up, outright. And that $5 will become 150 bucks in free bets when that happens. It's a deal you're going to want to take advantage of this holiday season. So head to DraftKings.com sportsbook and use the promo code A to Z sports. Must be 21 years or older and present in Tennessee. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. DraftKings, man. That, I spend too much, times on, too much time on that app, which is good sometimes, bad others. But we're going to talk now about the playoff picture and where the Titans stand. Nine and five, they're tied with the Patriots, now a game back of Kansas City. Man, you knew the Chiefs were coming, didn't you? And for the Titans to drop a couple against teams they really should have beat, it's frustrating. The Titans need this buy as bad as anybody in the NFL needs the buy in the playoffs with Derrick Henry getting maybe a little extra time, maybe just cleaning up some injuries across the board because God knows the Titans, you know, have had them. Can I say the dumbest thing I've seen on Twitter? I don't don't remember who this was. I was just scrolling yesterday and I saw a tweet. And by the way, Titans fans just colossally melted down after the game on Sunday. It was a it was a <laughs> yeah. thermonuclear meltdown. It, I mean, how, how could you blame them though? They, that that but display I, of football I mean, Jack, was but the things I was like, I mean, people were ready to like just end the franchise. But I saw one tweet. It said, 
we don't deserve the one seed. <laughs> like, I mean, they're half. If right. you have the best record, you deserve the one seed. If yeah. you don't, you don't. That's how that works. It's not that's like not a. As, uh, that's not a bad board as, that certifies that you have earned the number one seed. Yeah, it's pretty, it not pretty a black vote. and white how that works. Yeah, it's not left to voting. It's uh, pretty pretty cut and dry. <laughs> I, it's not that's not as bad as a tweet I saw where they want to move Tannehill out wide to receiver and see what Logan Woodside can do up there because oh, obviously Tannehill's experience. I at can A&M. tell you, I've watched Logan Woodside throw a lot of football. You know, I'm I am probably in other than people who were like covered him in college or maybe in the AAF. I'm probably like the top ten percent of people who've watched Logan Woodside throw footballs in the NFL. You don't want that. Mm-mm. No, I yeah, you're, you heard you're exactly it here right. first. You're exactly right. But with the Titans now, um, they've got the Niners. They've got the Dolphins both at home before finishing on the road against the Texans. Patriots are in the two spot right now with that tiebreaker, although they do have the same record after the Colts demolished them. Who saw that coming? I mean, yeah, the Colts have been playing good football, and Jonathan Taylor is you know up for MVP uh, begrudgingly to Austin and myself. Um, but the Titans are in that three spot. If season ended today, again, we go back to this terrible game, but this game that's relevant this week um, – the Titans would be matched up against the Chargers in the playoffs. I don't expect the season to, to really – or the standings to really shake out this way. But let's start with the, the division. Should the Titans really be worried about the Colts? I mean, these last three games, you, you if you beat San Francisco, you have to feel really good about the shots to, to hold on to the AFC South, which we weren't even talking about two months ago. That, that, was a, that was a done deal. Now the Colts are hot and the Titans have really slowed down. The Titans are not. Yeah. Are you, are you worried about the Colts coming up and grabbing the division? I mean, it's interesting because there's still two games back with three the games left to yes. go. And their final three games are in Arizona, they host the Raiders, and then they finish up in Jacksonville. I feel like the Titans can finish two and one, don't you? Yes. Yeah, and, you know, two and one, no matter what the Colts do, the division is yours. You just got to beat the Dolphins and the Jags. I mean – the, the Dolphins nice. do not excite me at all. I, I referred to them last week as a uh, – what did I call them? Not, like Not like a pushover or something, and it's like, oh, they're not a pushover. Yeah. They're, they're not. No. And then <laughs> – But on And then the Texans – I mean, good Lord, they lost to the Texans yeah. once. Surely they're not going to get swept by the Texans. God, uh, we can only hope, you know. But um, the Titans on Thursday night. If that, if that happens, you're going to have to just have a segment called Laughing at the Titans. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. We've done that once this year, and that was pretty miserable. Which one? Which, which week was that? After the t- Titans lost to the Texans. <laughs> okay. We had no choice. We had to, we had to come clean. Oh, um, man. But on Thursday night, traveling across two time zones for the Niners this late in the season, that's a tall task. Um, especially going from where it was pretty, or you know, where San Francisco, a pretty warm climate, um, and now Nashville has really cooled down. Um, we're seeing some pretty freezing temperatures, um, and uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that the Niners. I, don't, I, I just believe that the Titans will, will pull that out. But when it comes to the playoff standings, is there a team you'd like to play? Is there a matchup you see that you would really think the Titans could dominate in? Um, I, I don't like to. I don't like those kinds of conversations because I just don't think it matters. Well, it doesn't much, matter you know? what conversations you like, Luke, because <laughs> we're having them on the Titan Up podcast. That's what, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't think like I think people get too caught up in that. It's like, oh, this team's a better matchup, or 
like I, I just kind of feel like when when it's January football, all bets are off. It's like I don't think there's really any team you want to play, especially when you think about the AFC being the way that it is, where you know all those teams at the top are sort of butting heads with each other. There's no sort of clear juggernaut. There's I five- think there really is in the NFC because maybe you thought the Cardinals and then they got shellacked by corny Dan Campbell and the Lions this week. <laughs> Biting kneecaps out there, yeah. So, by the way, the Lions are America's team. I don't which, care what anyone which, says. By the way, this is why the NFL is the greatest sport in America because of the parody. Mm-hmm. Any given Sunday. It is the league design for 32 teams to go 8-8. Eight and eight. And or now nine and eight or eight nine or whatever, but well, you see that just looking at these standings because there's five teams in the AFC with five wins, or I mean with eight wins, and then there's five teams below that with seven wins. So it is and a I think and cost. I think they're all sort of on an even playing field. I mean, we've seen that we saw the Titans kill the Chiefs. That's their that's the Chiefs' last loss is to the Titans. So we know they can beat the Chiefs. We know they can beat the Bills. I think that the Titans can beat the Patriots. They held their own against the Patriots for like two and a half quarters until that game just got out of hand. But I feel like, you know, with Henry and, and you know, some, something else, because the Titans were terribly depleted in that game, Titans can hang with the Patriots. But, you know, at the same time, I think all of these teams can hang with the Titans. I think I can see the Chiefs beat the Titans. I can see the Ravens, if they get Lamar Jackson back, beating the, the Titans. You know, they're all of these AFC teams are kind of right there together. And so I think that's why it's a particularly – Hard, I, like I said, I don't love those conversations anyway, but I think because of the parity we're seeing right now, it's particularly hard to answer that question because I could see the Titans beating really any team in the NFL um, other than maybe Tampa Bay. I just, if the Titans are, I don't, I don't know about that, but. Well, hopefully that's the problem th- they run into because the, the only time yeah, they have to play that would be the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. But other than that, I think the Titans are like they have been really under the entirety of Mike Vrabel's tenure. They can beat anyone and they can lose to anyone. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, you know, in my opinion, it's hard to, well, it really, I mean, throughout the history of the NFL, this has been a big, big challenge to beat a team twice is very difficult. And that's a situation that they would run into with the chiefs, with the bills um, and to beat a team three times. Uh, that's borderline impossible unless it's the Jaguars or Texans, but they don't make it to the playoffs for, for a third time to beat them. That is what they'll run into with the, the Colts if they play them. The Colts are playing very physical football, pound and ground with Jonathan Taylor, who's now third in the MVP in, in the MVP race um, when it comes to the odds at DraftKings. Now, I don't think he'll win the award. Rodgers leads slightly over Tom Brady. Okay. And we'll get sense. into killing some MVPs here later on. But, Luke, you're telling me that you, you there's not a team in the AFC that's really in the thick of it, that's been in the thick of it, like the Bengals, like the Chargers, like maybe the banged-up Ravens, who, you know, the Titans are, are pretty beat up, but the Ravens have lost just about everybody at a key position. Um, Tyler Huntley, I mean, w- without John Harbaugh going for two in these last couple games, they're a 10-win team, and they could have, you know, the number one seed in the conference because they have a win over Kansas City. Um, but John Harbaugh, you know, has made a couple tough decisions, and that hasn't gone his way. Um but I don't know. For, for me, I don't want to play a team that the Titans have already beat. I think the revenge angle is enough. We saw that last year with Baltimore Ravens coming in. Yeah. And beating well, the Titans, Titans also just laid an egg in that yeah. game. But I don't know. I'm, I'm in a spot where I don't want to play a team that the Titans have beat. Now, I get that if you get to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to beat one of those teams because they're all very good. But 
Um, I'm with you that the, the Patriots don't really scare me as much as they as, as they did when the Titans ran into them because, you know, but, that was a game where the Titans were begging for the bye week. They had a lot of guys out. What I will say to close out this conversation, though, is it is shaping up so long as you get A.J. back and so long as you get Derrick Henry back, it is shaping up for a very exciting end to the season despite what was a very disappointing game against the Steelers on Sunday. I think you have to be excited if you're the Titans because of the way that the defense is playing because of the hope that you have for the offense to get things turned around with your two best players coming back. Right. So I I think that if you're a Titans fan, you know, calm down, take out the pacifier, right. Stop crying. All will be well. And it is shaping up to be a really, really fun, you know, the the rest of the schedule is kind of boring. Like Thursday night against the 49ers. That'll be fun. You know, Christmas week, enjoy the game. Like Dolphins, Texans, it's going to be hard to get kind of fired up for those yeah. games. But it's shaping up to to be a really exciting January for, for the Titans and really for the NFL. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see what this team is capable of because there are so many question marks. Yeah, no doubt. Um, before we get to the MVP death pool, I thought of this question this week, and I'm, I'm excited to hear your answer as well as Austin's. I think Austin – um, this is a question that uh, that he would you know go all over the place about, but I wanted to ask you because I think it's hilarious. Um, so I, by the way, full disclosure, was not high or drunk when I thought of this. This is just how my brain works. <laughs> if the Titans' defense and the Titans' offense flipped, so the defense is now playing offense and the Titans' offense is now playing defense. So last year, <laughs> well, no, but like I'm saying, you got to find a quarterback on the defense. Maybe it's Bayard, you know, one of those guys. And, you okay. know, you got to find a spot to put AJ. I should, I should probably let you finish the question. Well, so that's what I'm saying. So if the Titans defense was forced to play offense and the okay. Titans offense was forced to play defense oh, in a okay. four quarter game, 60 minutes, who wins that ball game? Well, I guess it's, I guess it's not a four quarter. Well, you got to play both. You know, mm. the Titans offense is going to have to spend time on offense while the Titans defense is going to, or the Titans offense is also uh, going to spend time on defense. Now I may have confused some listeners just by asking this question. And I think I've confused you, but I want to no, hear you. I, I get what you're asking. Um, What's your answer to that? Titans defense, they're big, they're physical. I mean, is it a healthy Titans offense or is it yeah, the current yeah, yeah, Titans yeah? Offense? You assume healthier because I feel like Derrick Henry playing Sam linebacker, linebacker yeah. would be very frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I mean that front that, that front four. Well, you got, the big question is obviously who's who's the quarterback for the defense. You're exactly right. I mean, it, it would probably have to be one of the guys in the secondary and you run a wildcat system, right? I, I'm thinking KB, potentially. I think so, too. Because he's got experience passing on fake punts. So. Yeah, that's the, that's what I'm saying at the Crookshank touchdown pass. Um, one possession, the defense is playing offense. One possession. the offense. I've changed it. Who do you got? I'm going to go with the offense. On defense, for, you think they can get a stop? I do. I, I think that. I feel like AJ Brown could cover Christian Fulton pretty well. And now, granted, if we're talking healthy, Caleb Barley is going to be a problem. Yeah, that's a good to deal point. with. But um, yeah, and again, Derrick Henry on defense. And also, I feel like I feel like Taylor Lewan. You just line him up at three technique, and he could probably best <laughs> Jeff Simmons or whoever they had playing guard. Yeah, yeah, you may be right. All right, well, that was a high thought that what I wasn't high when I thought of. Um, so that's why the question was sloppy. But either way, we got to where we needed to go. All right, 
we're not going to do remember the Titan this week. I mentioned I was under the weather. I'm sweating under my clothes right now. So we're going to do MVP death pool. Luke, you haven't participated in this, but it's probably become my favorite segment. Okay. So what we do, just quick little run through. We go to DraftKings and we look at the um, the odds for the MVP. All right. And each week, I'm Austin heading there and, now. Each week, Austin and I'll read these out to you um, as well. But each week, Austin and I we pick one guy a piece to ruin. So we use our voodoo rituals, dark magic, blood magic, whatever you want is to it, say. Is it not the same people every week? No. Oh, we've gone all over the place. I mean, we've killed Josh Allen. Now the the bad part is when we started this was week eight, and ironically, Derrick Henry broke his foot. So we may have too, you know, too much power, but um, we're going to stick here and let me read the odds real quick. You got to pick a guy to eliminate. Who's going to play bad this week that's going to fall off the MVP list? Okay. Right now, Rodgers is plus 125, followed by Brady at 175. Then a big drop off to Jonathan Taylor at plus 750. He is third in this race. Matthew Stafford and Mahomes are both 1,200. Um, Josh Allen plus 1,800, and then a big drop off to Herbert plus 3,500, and you've got Cooper Cup, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray all at 4,000. So my question to you, we picked Tom Brady last week, got shut out by the Saints, looked like an idiot. He's now second on the list. So I'm wondering if I'm going to kill Aaron Rodgers this week or if I go for another – if maybe I double down on Brady and just get him out of the mix. Who are you – if you wanted to kill someone off this list, not literally, but – their chances to win the MVP award. Who are you going with? So is this is this someone that I think is not deserving of MVP? It could be. Yes, I mean we've killed Jonathan Taylor a handful of times. <laughs> well, I mean my, my thing with Taylor just because I'm I'm sure y'all have talked about this, but since it's my you know first appearance since the JT for MVP stuff has started. Which by the way, did you see that the NFL made that their Twitter header? Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, the NFL. If you went like after that third that Saturday night game, if you went to at NFL, the the bio for the NFL's Twitter account was JT for MVP question mark. I hate that because the, the, they never gave Derrick Henry his shine, right? And that and that's why I'm like, I, I don't understand. Granted, I did not vote for Henry for Pro Football Writers MVP last year. I voted for Aaron Rodgers. What I know the a hell? Lot- a lot, a lot of Titans fans were wanting Henry to be in the conversation. I personally believed it was Aaron Rodgers, but how could you do this? Hold on, we're not going to move past it. We're not just going to skim over this. <laughs> how could you do this? We spent all last season fighting for that, and you actually had a say, and you didn't it, even. The I think the one Titan that got a vote for me. Well, I voted for him for Offensive Player of the Year, which he won. Yes. Uh, I also voted Arthur Smith for Assistant of the Year. Okay. But I did. I gave. I, so you this is, this is not Associated Press. This is the Pro Football Writers poll, which is different. But I, I voted for uh, Aaron Rodgers. But my, I could not like in good con. I will not be voting for Jonathan Taylor this year. Good man. Because good if man. I didn't vote for Derrick Henry last year, mm-hmm. if if what Derrick Henry did last year was not good enough for me, then. How in the world? Granted, Jonathan Taylor has had an outstanding season. He's been phenomenal. Oh yeah, he's done. He's done. But a, a Derek fine Henry job. was and is otherworldly, and the things that he did for the Titans last year. I mean, you watched that Texans game at the end, right? I'm I'm I'm, I'm remembering that right, where they yes. play the Texans in Week 17. Correct. And it was just it, it was like it was the death march of. <laughs> I mean, it was bad watching the Texans try to defend him, and. You know, it's just 
it, it is an indefinable quality about Derrick Henry that makes him as valuable as he is. It's not a statistical thing. You, you have to watch him week in and week out to understand how he drags a defense around for 60 minutes. And I did not think he was worthy of MVP last year. It was very close. I thought I thought a lot about it. But, like, if, if that was an MVP, then this is not with Jonathan Taylor. Now, what do you think he has to do? Is it going to be like an AP comeback player of the year, run for 2,000 type situation? Do you think that's, that'll put him over the top? What does Derrick Henry got to do? I understand that there's a lot of other factors that play with these quarterbacks. But in your mind, what would make you vote for Derrick Henry? I don't know. Like, I was on board with him so far this year. It, it's more – it's less about a – that it, it, it's more about the value to the team at least when I think about those awards because like when I was watching the how the Titans used Derrick Henry earlier this year and how I hope for their sake they continue to use him whenever he comes back it was we got nothing here you go and he was just carrying them down the field yeah last year there was a little more rhythm to it in the and and, I, and I, it's perhaps problematic, but I always ask myself, you know, how would this team be performing without this guy? And I think that we have seen the answer to that for the Titans this year, whereas the offense now looks fundamentally broken. Absolutely, um, and that's 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 a question that should be asked because in determining who's the most valuable, well, who if they had to be replaced, you know, w- would a team absolutely crumble and fall apart without? And Derrick Henry, it, that's clear. It, it it's going to be. I think it's going to be a bit of a dud MVP year. I really do because I don't think Rogers, Rogers' season this year hasn't been as good as the season last no, year. Rogers was phenomenal like in 2020. 31 and, touchdowns, four picks, though. I mean, he's had a good season. Granted, I mean, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers, but like it, it hadn't been some kind of eye popping, yeah, record setting, exactly. And Brady's really hadn't either. I mean, dude got shut out, lost nine to nothing mm-hmm. just a few days ago. So, like, it's. Like, is that really your MVP of yeah. the season, you know? All right, well, let's get to let's get to the question. Who are you killing? I'll kill JT for the reason okay. that I've just Good man, up. good man. I think you've finally found your way back in the good graces of Titans fans after admitting <laughs> that you didn't vote for Derrick Henry for MVP. Oh, my God, Austin's going to have a fit. Um, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did himself no favors this season when, um, you know, he got a lot of people against him with his whole COVID situation. Has this no. not been just the wildest season for a it's, single player ever? Yeah, it's, like, it's been crazy. And now if you saw his postgame interview, he was loving on his teammates, glad to be here, really love everybody <laughs> in the locker so room. Weird. I mean, it started with the like, you know, is he or isn't he? on draft day, right? And then it was a saga and it like comes back and then it's normal for a little bit. And then there was the weird, you know, immunization comment. Yes, people yeah. took, ran with that. Like, it's just been a weird year for Aaron Rodgers. Well, I'm going to kill him. He, Cleveland comes to town and if Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett are healthy and out there because the Browns have COVID issues. Um, we saw that last night on Monday Night Football. Um, I think that maybe they could disrupt Rodgers, maybe get back there, beat on him a little bit. And uh, I don't know, maybe he just, Maybe he falls back to second again. We'll see. But that's who I'm going with. Luke, thanks so much for jumping on. We we had to have you this week, Austin. Now, uh, by the way, Austin's not out of this either because his baby, I mean, the Titans are 0-1 since since his daughter has been in this world. So, I don't know. You can, you can kind of come up to uh, or, or make your own um, opinions on whether or not that was good for the fan base or bad. I don't know. 
Um, but in all seriousness, congratulations to Austin Huff. He'll probably be back next week. I expect him back next week. But Luke, we always appreciate you filling in, man. Um, guys, if you do not follow Luke Worsham on Twitter, you are making a grave mistake. I'm telling you a grave mistake. He's as sassy as they come, but he's also very informative. Luke, we love you for both. <laughs> he's uh, he's as good as it gets. He writes for A to Z Sports Nashville. You guys know that. You can follow him on Twitter at Luke underscore Worsham. Um, also, this isn't the only podcast he pops up on. He's got his own No Nonsense Pod. Go follow them at No Nonsense Pod. Listen to what Luke has to say there as soon as you're done listening here. Um, as always, rate, review, subscribe. Four and a half stars for us. A half star for a buck. Um, if you want to type Luke Worsham's name in the review box this week, uh, I think that would be funny. We can use that. Um, but that about does it from us. Um, I apologize. It was short. Um, you know, we, we had to overcome a couple obstacles. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a bad short, though. Like, yeah, got everything out. You yeah, know, it, there's it was, no need to belabor the point. But, it, you know, these, these listeners are, are usually used to me and Austin rambling for two hours. So this has to be refreshing for them. Um, but anyways, um, before we get out of here, follow me at Jack A. Gentry on Twitter and the podcast at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. As always, we love you guys. And Luke, with all that being said, tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans, they're the 